Let's, hey. <laughs> I know, you, I know you're excited. I know. Whenever we take a week off, we eager to get back in the building. This man want to run through the whole show. He had slides from later segments. Listen, what up, world? It's Miles Xavier. I am humble and happy to be one of your co-hosts of the All The Way Live podcast, where the vulnerable are powerful and the most gangster thing you can do is serve. I'm joined here today by my brother, who is... Clearly, a key part of curating the content that we have for your cranial. And I'm just, we here. How you feel? We here. We here. We good, man. I appreciate the introduction and welcoming us into this lovely show that we that we do on a weekly basis. I feel good, man. I feel good because what we do on this show right here is all about positivity. It's all about sharing information. It's all about highlighting impact and um, really diving deep into information, utilizing our resources and our skills to understand and unpack things for people that carefully carefully curated content for their cranium. And we do it for a single reason, man, and that's to be uh, a space where people can come to and feel energized, refreshed, and informed and inspired, ideally, because we know people is going through it. We know that depression levels are high. We know suicide rates are high. Um, rest in peace to uh, my my business partner and brother CJ's cousin Dengi who lost his life in a in a car accident this week man so we know people are dealing with real real things and so we bring this energy to y'all man we bring this energy to y'all for y'all to come through enjoy it with us be part of the conversation be part of the family as we give y'all this information man I love it I love it yeah it's, it's a pleasure to be here it's, a, it's an honor to be uh, in conversation with you, my brother. It's an honor to have, as always, South Africa in the building, Johannesburg in the building by way of Exeter. For how much longer, man? How you? We we getting to the end of a of a school year. We getting to a close right here. Yeah, yo, this is my last week of school here at University of Exeter, chasing my master's in financial analysis and fund management. It's been a grueling. Difficult journey, but the end is near. Last week of classes, and then we get into the exams, and then we get the dissertation. But yeah, man, uh, turns out a master's program is quite difficult. Hey, that is why. I may not be doing one. We don't know <laughs> about that. Can the master's program really teach you to community organize? Maybe the community needs to teach you that. I'm running from this academic challenge very quickly. Uh, so I commend you, you know what I'm saying, for, for sticking with it and this is even made even more special by the fact that it is the last week of, of your program. So salute to you, Exodus, for sure, for sure, in the building. On this side, you already know what's going on. Chicago is in the building. This podcast is recorded on stolen land, right? This land was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, and the violence done to remove them from this land, those First Nations people, is inseparable from the violence that we see in the city today, this country today, and this world today. So with that, we always lift up love for indigenous people the world over. We lift up love between black and brown people the world over. You know what that means. The intro's over. Let's get into the show. Yo. Kids official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos, twist your mental life forbidden jitsu's my clicks initial. 
my brother, Miles Xavier. What we do over here at this show, man, one of our favorite things to do is highlighting impact. And we got another impact spotlight organization to highlight this week. That's right. And this one hits close to home. Matter of fact, we, we need to actually be more careful about our language. I say heals close to home, you know, uplifts close to home. It's a beautiful thing. Make Definitely. It. We are talking about the Maker Girl organization that is ran by Julia Harid, uh, a University of Illinois alumni and actually one of our close friends. Uh, what these, uh, what this organization do does essentially is teach young girls STEM, um, 3D printing, and a whole host of very, very cool technology-led um, skills and, and interface, man. It's some really inspiring stuff to see. That's dope, man. That's dope. I'm, it's crazy as, like, trying to be a person that works in these spaces where we give kids opportunities, give them access to resources. Like, what they're able to do with them is always just, like, more than enough of a reward. You know what I mean? So I actually want to dive in. Let's see if we can tap in with the Make a, uh, the Make a Girl team and get, like, a little bit, maybe some testimonials, maybe be able to showcase a little bit of the work they've done because I know that's always the most exciting part uh, is what the young people are able to produce. So, yeah, man, shout out to them. Shout out to everything that uh, that they're doing. And it's amazing. I'm glad you brought the team up. You know what I'm saying? A women-led team. We're not out of Women's Month yet. We ain't letting y'all go. You know what I'm saying? We still going to keep giving y'all that content. So this falls right in line with that. Always appreciative of that. Definitely. And the, the really cool thing about this is actually watching Julia put this together when they were still... In, at the University of Illinois, and um, they took a trip to, to South Africa and Cape Town, and we had a real good time. But just watching where the idea for Make a Girl was and then seeing it grow, it's, I think it's really cool to use our platform to be able to show some of the organizations that we as an organization look up to in terms of what the next steps are and being inspired in that way and saluting people that are doing the work at a very... Um, professional and high level it, it, it helps the pool of people who are in that space get better exactly exactly and it's amazing to be able to shout out folks that help us be better right not only through their example but you know hopefully being able to tap in and say hey julie how you do that how you raise funds like that you know what i'm saying how did you get your product out there how did you get uh awareness spread awareness for the folks to come and join and be a part of what y'all are doing so uh, yeah, amazing, amazing, again, to be connected and to be able to support, lift up, and showcase uh, the amazing work of Maker Girl. They have so far educated over 5,000 young girls across 28 cities in the U.S. Um, they have moved their programs virtually, so when COVID hit, they were very active in, in increasing the type of information that they teach children and whatnot. So really inspiring work that these people are doing, that these ladies are doing. Shout out to Julia. Shout out to the whole Maker Girl team. This is a, a honor for us to highlight on our platform. Yeah, for sure. And that's a part of networking. A part of networking is bigging up your people, too. You know, it's not just, hi, how are you? On handshake and yes, well, exchange business cards and we'll email later. Part of it is also like celebrating and being able to celebrate together. So it's amazing to have be able to have something to celebrate with the folks in our network. Definitely. And with that, Mr. Miles Xavier, we go right into the first part of the show, if I may. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? All right. You know, we've already touched in this podcast on uh, learning, right? 
And I, I love to be able to learn from others. I particularly love to be able to learn from the mistakes of others, right? Sometimes <laughs> somebody else goes through that. So you don't have to go through that. You feel me? As, as such is the case in our uh, stumble upon topic for the day. Turns out that there was a TikToker who, in protest, and I quote, slept at his cubicle inside of the office, right? The man came in and slept in the, at his workplace in the office saying that it was a protest. Shortly after that, he was fired from his job a few days later. So immediately after seeing this, I had to send it directly to my friend, especially because I was also getting some some people sending that information, sending me that stuff, you know, be like, yo, check this out, which usually tells me something to talk about. So when I saw this, I said, let me send this over to Miles and see what my brother thinks about sleeping in the office and putting it on TikTok. I have a lot. I have a lot of thoughts about this because there's a whole there's two whole <laughs> conversations to have there is one sleeping in your office right having to be put in that situation but then also to record it and put it on tiktok that's a whole nother that's a whole nother element man when i see this i i, I think because because you introduced me to this and this story has developed over time right <laughs> developed <laughs> developed right because clear because my man looks mighty comfortable there right he looks clear clearly this is a man who is committed to this project <laughs> am i correct to say that at first it started this was a protest as, so as he calls it yeah as, as much as the jam jams might contradict that Shout out to the YouTube audience that can see the that can see the, my man's jam jams right here, his pajamas, right? This was this was a protest at the beginning, or no? I'm tripping. He called it a protest at the beginning. So the story goes is that he uh, this man, this gentleman, I, I believe his name is Simon. Some finds out that hey, he's in the city, rents too high, you know, price of living is going up high. Let me decide to move into my cubicle, moves into his cubicle, records it on TikTok, and then four three days later gets fired, you know, saying that it is in the name of protesting, not being given a increase like he had asked to, or the company not allowing him to move around. So at the basis of what the pro, the, and I'm, I, can we not use the word protest? <laughs> I don't know. We haven't like, because there's so much that I agree with and disagree with in this, right? So what I disagree with is TikTok. But I disagree that you can't call it a protest and then record yourself doing something and then put it up. Obviously, you're going to get fired. That's like obvious well, activity to get fired on. That's a clear basis. You can't do that at the office. But even, even those are two different things, right? Even one of them is like, all right, wait, can you put it on TikTok? Because maybe that's us being old and saying like, TikTok is not a space for serious conversations. But also, yes, you're going to get fired. You know that you're going to get fired. Know that going into it. So... The reason why the protest would make sense is because if you're looking at, un if you forget unemployment rate, let's just look at housing prices. Housing prices have soared in the last 10 years, so to speak. Millennials are now, because we're coming in with the most amount of student loan debt, we are also the generation that is buying less homes as we're getting older. So you're seeing a crazy increase in rent prices, 16% in some places, 20% across the year, bro. 20% of, of rent across the U.S. over the last year has shot up. So people can't afford stuff, and he's living in Seattle. That's an expensive city. So I understand, my brother. But putting it on TikTok is how you get fired. 
But then, but then again, if he started it off as a protest, part of the protest is awareness. So you gotta you gotta put out what you're doing somewhere else. Otherwise, you're just squatting, right? You you can, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he had to put it out like to have a call. If otherwise, it's not a cause if you don't tell anybody, you know. <laughs> that's just that's you, just so if if say the activity that was being TikTok was this man um I, I don't know what would constitute as the right type of protest activity. Desk, is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's yes. what should have That type of behavior I would totally understand if he changed himself to the desk. Yeah. But he was dancing around, literally. You know what I'm saying? He was dancing around, having what I would call maybe too much fun. Now you protest judging. Now you protest judging. I think, I'm protest judging? I think oh, you can dance at a protest, depending on the protest, depending on what's going on. But so here's 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 my perspective on this is like, all right, so my man, I, I love that he's bringing light. This is <gasps> me. Oh, no. I don't like this video because he sang in it, I think. I didn't like that. <laughs> but I like that he's bringing light to the issues. The fact that we're even having a conversation about it, I think, speaks to the fact that whether or not he took this seriously as a protest, the fact that we are at least having a conversation about housing, right, that we're in, in access to housing and the struggle that a lot of people are going through, right, I think that's important. Now, my man, again, I can't stress this enough. You had to know you was going to get fired, right? I was very upset to learn after the fact of the video that it wasn't until after he TikToked his, you know, office sleepover that he reached out to France and said, hey, can I stay with you? And then decided, oh, looked up like an Airbnb. Like, I get it. It's expensive. And to his credit, he was in the process of looking for an apartment, like, prior to even moving into the office space. But there's a leap to an opportunity to get attention that I question is what I'll say. That, and that's kind of like the hallmark of what we're seeing people utilize phones for and, and technology for is to be able to record themselves just jumping into these situations. And like, it happens all the time. It's just, forget him. Look at uh, Hush Puppy, right? Who is this big time scammer, um, <laughs> big time scammer known as the king of floss on Instagram. Turns out they the feds were tracking his spending and utilized a lot of the evidence that was put up on his Instagram page to be able to convict him. He's now spending 20-something, something, 26 years or whatever the case is in jail, all because of the phone. See, I think that that's, and that's part of it, right? In the same way that I'm saying, you got to know you're going to get fired. You got to know you're going to be found out. You're putting it out there for people to see, and that includes law enforcement agencies. That includes people that, like, in this person's case, the company that the person was working for, like, come on, man, you got you got to be smart. And I think there's a there's a disconnect now between what people are willing to risk and how much of themselves people are willing to put out there. Um, I, I don't know. Is it that there's an increased like there's an increased perception of how much it's worth to get your 15 seconds of fame? Right. Because people have an opportunity to monetize that now in a way that they had never have before. So are people willing to make these sacrifices more in this day and age, thinking that they're going to be able to monetize those quick followers, those views, and whatever, however long it lasts? I'm hoping that we all realize that it is possible to have a healthy private life and separate that from what your online life is, especially if it's coming from a business perspective. But also at the same time, uh, there's different ways of engaging with this with this cell phone and different ways of engaging with the internet. Some people use it for OnlyFans and make a killing on OnlyFans. 
check it out only fans episode but then <laughs> there's also some people that utilize it um very camera facing you know and that is their brand is the life that they share which is an entire ecosystem of money on its own marketing companies are built just to manage and pay those types of people so get your money boohoo support that totally um but it's just that line of wanting to seek clout when there's no true value back in like you see in the hush puppy case this man just wanted to flex just to flex didn't have to yeah it's interesting because like i mean if that's what you want to do like if some people they really enjoy that they enjoy making the content they enjoy the interaction with the people so i don't ever want to judge anybody's like hobby or anything like that but i just also want to be sure that we know, like, first of all, don't don't put yourself at risk for that opportunity for attention in any way. And then also, like, we get into the space where you putting other people at risk for clout, right? Like, we t- we see little stuff like the challenges of going to store and make a mess. Somebody got to clean that up. Go in a store and throw something at somebody. You know what I mean? Like, to... I hate that. Even more crazier trends that we've seen, you know? And people are really getting, like locked up behind this there's real consequences behind the stuff that you the stuff that you do and i don't know if people are always considering all of those consequences man you know no it's not because also people get like more younger people are utilizing the internet and because more younger people are utilizing the internet just understanding consequences at that point is difficult you think back on what we were doing at that age and think about what we thought of consequences at that time it was completely out of the window we're doing like you think about the things young boys do growing up and now put the internet in it we're doing ramps off of crazy things we're risking our <laughs> lives in the name of fun I, <laughs> just the internet was around when we were teenagers vine was popping was cracking when we when we were at the height of hanging out and being out and it ain't too cra- ain't too many crazy vines of me out there you know what i'm saying Despite what my homie Casey might have on his phone, the homie that always got his camera out. Everybody got a homie that always got their camera out and be capturing the good moments and the bad. But I don't got nothing <laughs> crazy out there. You know what I'm saying? But then, but like, but, and so what I'm talking about, so like, and that's not only, and it also, it's not only young people that's acting a fool on the internet. That's the, I see some grown people. You, you talked about the dude that broke into the office, the, the couple that broke into the Walmart and stayed fake overnight past closing, and then left in the morning and then came back to get arrested. They wasn't that much younger than us. You know what I'm saying? Came back to get arrested is, is <laughs> my did. favorite part of that sentence. Came back to get arrested. Because that's what happened. So, I think it's not a it's, it's not a youth-specific thing. I think we're in this age now where, and it's like it's coupled with a lot of things. There's this extra pressure to be like, have a side hustle. How Everything, everybody's got to be hustling. Everything is um, get you, like, you got to monetize the ways in which your hobbies and stuff like that. And it's crazy because it almost feels like the government is tricking us. Like <laughs> things are getting worse. They're not paying y'all more. It's like, get a second job. That's what you're supposed to do. Drive Uber. You know what I mean? And while shout out to everybody with side hustles into the ambition of that, I think people are looking to more and more like easy, close proximity ways to be like, how can I gain some attention right quick? How can I, gain some followers really quick and then start to monetize by doing either the least by showing you just my life and everything that I'm doing or by doing the most real quick and not thinking about the consequences like moving into your office or 
trying to stay overnight in a Walmart, like y'all tripping. Yeah. So attention is like candy. It's empty calories. And it's it's it comes cheap. You can even purchase like stream uh stream bots that will, you know, increase the likes on your pictures and tap into an algorithm. So it's like cheap calories of of uh, attention satisfaction and we all get addicted to that because we do need attention we need attention every human needs attention approval acknowledgement um encouragement all of those things are like integral to our nature as people and so like the candy version of that is the attention that everyone is seeking so you can become addicted to it and then boom you find yourself getting locked up because you're doing some dumb Walmart stunt with your girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, I think a lot of it too has to do with like shortcuts, right? Like the phone technology creates so many real shortcuts to be able to engage with people across like, you know, a wide uh, geographic area to be able to engage with people of different cultures, to be able to learn information through videos, through text, through books. But at like, there are also shortcuts. We see people get rich off of what seems like nothing, right? We see influencers that seem like they're only just making videos of themselves and, and getting money. And how are they able to give away $10,000? How are these guys able to drive a Ferrari or get a Ferrari for their video? And we're not really thinking about, like, first of all, a lot of what you're seeing is only what they want you to see. But also, like... Shortcuts in life, they they not worth it. And even if somebody else, if you see somebody else, and it seems like they got rich quick, you don't know their journey. You're not thinking about not knowing their journey, and we're not thinking about you know that comparison is so easy. It seems like you can see so many people who got it, and we're not thinking about how it might, how it might be different for us to get there, and that it might not be worth it to expose ourselves in some of the ways we're doing that. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. And that's uh that rings true in the that rings true in this world where everyone is sharing everything. Everyone's life is better than yours. Everyone is having a, a better time and everyone's only posting the best of their times. And if it's we'll look for reasons to do that, we call it throwback Thursday. You know, remember this good time? <laughs> you know, like we're all about preserving the best form of ourselves and presenting that to people that's like our um that's like our representative you know your online your online profile is who a lot of people reflect a projection of who they want themselves to be and so they compare who they want themselves to be with other people's projections of themselves and now you have your fake self comparing competing with somebody else's fake self and nothing is real nothing is real and so uh, that was a big reason why, for me, social media was very difficult to be able to handle. Um, I, I understand that being exposed to that many different things at times becomes overwhelming for me. And so that's why I, I step back. I'll, I'll, I'll be very tentative with how I utilize it, set timers on my phone, that type of thing. Because it's, you know, it, it forces you sometimes to have thoughts that you're not even trying to think of. Like, you open up my phone, it takes you straight to big booty woman. And <laughs> that is just being honest. And that is, yo, check this out. That is not just me, though. That's not just me. A lot of men speak about Instagram making their algorithm so that they're constantly looking at women. Like, you no matter, you will like houses and whatever, and you'll have houses and women all the time. And it's always women that are close towards your proximity. 
So mm. like now you're forced to think about that and you haven't even that's that wasn't even in your agenda to think about, you know? So that relationship with social media as well. And besides just like the, the fake profile image. Mm. I think a lot of it really is connected to thinking about what you're doing and just being intentional, whether that's thinking about if your choice is to like, yo, this is me, this is my presence on social media, this is my presence on the internet, this is what I'm doing, I'm sharing this part of myself with the world, think about why you're doing it, thinking about what you get from that, and make sure that you have a diverse uh, group of areas in your life where you can get that same thing, whether it's that dopamine, whether it's that attention, whether it's affection, just make sure that you're not only getting that from the internet, I guess would be would be my my suggestion. Yeah, that's why I don't even touch my phone until I'm done reading and meditating. Every day, and maybe I'll cheat on the weekends, you know, weekends, let the let things loose a little bit. But for the most part, um, I'll try to meditate before I touch my phone. Yeah, that's, I, I love that. I love that. That's thoughtfulness at its, at its best, right? Not only sitting and thinking and being alone with your thoughts, but being intentional about clearing your headspace and getting to a good mental place. Like I would, I, I, uh, not avoid, <laughs> I avoid that. I don't like to think, be alone with my thoughts. It's very scary. <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I advise everybody to spend more time meditating if you can, or find your meditative activity, whatever it is that refills your cup. Indeed. Mr. Miles Xavier, what we do here on this show is dedicate ourselves to information and we do so in our informative segment. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Current news, current news. Here we are again. Um, there's a lot of current news to be able to cover. There's a lot of things that we could have pulled from. What we were drawn to specifically is what is happening in women's sports. Yeah. Quite specifically, what my brother's about to explain for us in full detail. <laughs> I mean, we go, we don't, we, there's so much to talk about that we don't gotta, we don't gotta rush through it. Right. Uh, and that still not lost on us. March 27th. We're not letting y'all go with this Women's History Month. Some of y'all did Women's International Women's Day. That's cool. Y'all celebrated the day. Then y'all was out of here. Nah, we still, we right with it. Continuing. Still right? with it to they, the very end. We want our full month for Black History Month, so we making sure that we continue to celebrate Women's History Month. Uh, and with that said, yo, shout out to Venus and Serena. Like, Big time. Just, just, just shout out to them, right? Like, 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 love to Venus and Serena. Um, somebody tried to try to block they shine, tried to try to try to dim they light a little bit, right? For no reason, jumped no out, reason, jumped out they body, right? So I just wanted to shout shout love to to Venus and Serena, um, Jane Champion, Campion, Camp <laughs> Campion, I guess yeah, so it's Campion, right? I'm just trying to get it right, Jane Campion. Uh, who's the director of Power of the Dog, which I hear is a very good movie um, about cowboys, right? Nice. And uh, she was being championed um, because apparently the cowboys in her film are a little bit effeminate and uh, 
couple of actors, big name actors in Hollywood were like, that's not how a cowboy should be. And she was like, get over it. So Twitter was like, yay, Jane Campion for being fearless and your vision and your, you know, defending it and making sure, you know, that's great, you know. But then when she won her award, she was feeling herself a little too much, right? She got on stage, she accepted an award, she gave an award speech. She goes, Venus and Serena, you're such marvels. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if she really has a British accent, but I think I think she might have. Wait, do we have it? Do we have it with volume? Can we play it or not? I, I don't know if we could play it with volume, but I would say she does look like she has a British accent. I'm gonna keep giving it to her if we can't play it with volume. She said, You're such marvels. Uh yes. However, however, you don't play against the guys like I have. That that's hate, dude. Look at Serena's face. That's clearly hate. <laughs> I know that look. Listen, dude. <laughs> Listen, I love black women, and my whole life is spent around being around black women. And I can tell you firsthand, I know exactly what that look is. I've gotten that look before. That's when you try and say something funny, and completely fail. Yeah, the internet agrees with you, man. The internet agrees with you. has been has been running with that fake all week, and that's how that's how I'm looking at a lot of what's going on. You know what I'm saying? And, and with Miss Sports right now. Uh, <laughs> But so so shout out to them, man. That that comment was just it was unnecessary. She since apologized, but it's just like, just just, yo, there's nothing wrong with, with feeling yourself. There's nothing wrong with 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 being a with with being happy and excited and and being on top of the world. You know, especially when your accomplishments is really hidden. But we have to learn. This is just a simple teachable moment to remind ourselves, like, be graceful. Win with grace. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like how you put that there, dude. I like how you you circle back with it. It's because this is it's a a simple lapse of grace. Is 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 it? There was there's you didn't need to put that point in there whatsoever. You didn't have to try and be funny. No, but at the same time, man, emotions are running. Some people thrive off of not being able to regulate their thoughts in that way. I like Kanye. Kanye just goes up there and spews what he said. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's gold, and sometimes it comes out uh, hot doodle like this. Hey, man. You can say whatever you want, I guess, but there are always going to be consequences. Consequences, right? And so she's dealt with the consequences. Uh, hopefully, I mean, it's it's crazy, man, that you, you go out and say something like that while you're at the, you're in your moment, and now your movie now has that, how am I supposed to go watch Power of the Dog without having a stank face because you dissed Venus and Serena now? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm mad at the movie and I ain't even seen it because I <laughs> wonder why you feel it so spicy to, to, to my black queens, right? So, uh, just be thoughtful. Move thoughtful. How, but then again, man, how not how intimidating, but, you know, you're sitting next to the greatest female athlete of all time, arguably, and she's there in her, in her black brilliance and, you know, she's there with her billionaire husband, whatever, and you sitting there and you just won this award, you know you're gonna you're gonna say something. <laughs> you're gonna feel salty. <laughs> but is what happened. Is what happened. She felt salty is what happened. I guess. I guess. And by the way, it doesn't it really even make sense. Like I ha- I gotta make this point, but there's nothing about being a woman that makes it more difficult to compete with men and being a director, right? Like there's a reason that Serena and Venus don't compete against Federer and, and Nadal. It's a different there's a different reason in terms of comparison. And so for her to come jump out and just, <laughs> you don't compete against the guys. Like, okay. So, 
you, you're very right on that. You don't have to compete with the guys in um in in the director in being a director, but what you do in some not nah, not what you do. You, I mean, I guess, but like what I'm what I'm actually saying is where you where it's important. Where, That's impressive, dude. Point three seconds. <laughs> nice. Fraudian slip. But what I was going to say is that over the week, we've also been getting information on the situation that's happening with Leah Thomas, who is a trans woman swimmer in the... She's a trans woman swimmer, and so has been getting a lot of backlash because recently has been has been winning, right? And so there's been a lot of attention brought to her. She was also on the cover of Sports Illustrated at some point, um, decorated swimmer in her own right, and now is bringing up some controversy about who is allowed to actually compete with women. Um, and obviously the rhetoric and conversations around gender preferences begin to um, arise, which is always a, a, a hot topic for this generation. Yeah. I don't even really know to, where to start with this one, right? Like this was, this is a topic where for sure I want to be transparent when I like, I, <laughs> I saw the headline of like that people were having i guess backlash or being being upset at, at leo at having success in swimming and it was just one of those topics where like i need more information there are certain topics where i'm like i got this i could really go off the dope with this one this ain't one of them <laughs> i immediately yeah. like what information can i can i seek out and try to understand to to form an opinion on this and it's a complicated it's complicated it's complicated what do you think does it doesn't have to be too complicated it doesn't have to be if we're all willing to understand each other then it doesn't have to be too complicated but because so many of us are set in what we believe our ideas of what gender and sex are supposed to be there's no way we can be fair because if we were being fair there would be dare I say, an entire... There'll be many different categories and makeups of who can swim or play any type of sports. You could have from the very junior level of pre-K sports all the way up to trans swimming league. You know what I mean? I, in a fair society, all of those places would have the same amount of people participating where it's as fun as competing at the highest level. But that's just not necessarily the case because personal preferences... Here's an interesting statistic... <laughs> my, my, my favorite thing to say on the show here's an interesting fact <laughs> I don't know I don't know I, I don't know where you're going with personal preferences so I don't know where your personal preferences for swimmers are <laughs> but I mean like in terms of in terms of even in swimming right there's backstroke there's uh, breaststroke there's um, a whole uh, there's uh, freestyle there's different preferences that you'd have in where you want to be able to swim Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? And the type of swimming that you want to do. It's not like everyone jumps in the water like, swim! <laughs> it's not like that. No doubt. Uh, the interesting fact is that women are actually better swimmers than men uh, because of their hip uh, because of uh, their hip placements or whatever the case is. They're able to hold their breath for longer and swim for longer. So a lot of the long-distance swimming champions are actually women. Dang. Fun fact for Women's Day. Boom! Going, getting back to this, a handle, um, there is, uh, it does call for the concerns of like uh, fairness in sports is, is, is all it comes down to because 
on the other end of the spectrum, you also have, so to speak, Casta Semenya, who is a South African runner who was born a woman, um, but registers levels of testosterone that are mar- that are higher than the, than your than what the the standards of what the standards of uh, the Olympics have been. So she's been kicked out of sports a lot of uh, she's been um, kicked out of many different types of races. I've been forced not to compete for a few years. Went to court fighting the man, fighting the man, going into Paris, fighting them in court, you know, um, and dominating when she's on the field. And that whole process stripped this woman's capability. Like, it really does strip this woman's capability, right? And so you have that situation, and then you also have this situation, and you put it. It's not fair for either to treat it as the same. And that's what I'm saying is that it's about fairness. Can you can you break down a little bit of just what you said at the end? It's not either. It's not fair for either to be treated as the same. What do you What do you mean by that? So for for Casta's case, right? She the procedures. Let me not even say the procedures. Her genetical makeup, how she, how uh, what she's fighting for is for allowance of what her genetical makeup is, mm-hmm. right? Which is different, especially in the evolution journey, even if you will, where Leah, Tom- Leah Thomas is coming into place. No one is saying that she's not a woman, but we're saying that in terms of where the 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 what they're fighting for is is not on the same is, is not the same thing. They're not fighting for the same thing. And that's why I'm saying it's unfair for both of them because Leah Thomas would say, hey, my genetical makeup doesn't determine if I'm a woman. Okay, cool. And then Cassidy would say, hey, my genetical makeup is why you have to consider me as a woman. Cool. So then if we take if we take Casa out of it and we just say, do you believe Leah should be able to compete against women? If I don't know, I don't think so. I don't think so. If I'm being honest. Why not? I think there's there's certain advantages that there's certain advantages that men have in their biological makeup that at this at competitive sports level if we're speaking just from the competitive sports level um then i think that how about this the ufc needs more weight class i think the ufc needs more weight classes than i think the needs to then that leah thomas shouldn't swim <laughs> if you want to know going over here to a different topic and gonna no, I, I I agree, and I think there's actually weight classes have a really interesting place in this conversation. For certain sports, if you want to talk about, like, equity and just saying, well, maybe weight classes are more important than uh, separating folks by gender. In certain sports, I'm willing to have that conversation. I think that's an interesting one. But I also but I also feel like there's this immediate sense, right, in, in like, I'll admit to, like, having had this this thought before where it's just like, no, because look at her, look at her shoulders. She's too, she's, but we just spoke about the case where some people have those gifts naturally and we're, we're willing for, to let them compete. Right. I think we have this feeling where, because she uh, may have went through, went through a development phase where she got these gifts in a way that most women don't, we see it as unfair and I guess my perspective on it is just being like, ah, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we don't have the, we don't have the, like you said, we don't have the, we don't have the ability or we haven't done the research yet to tease out what, 
what that is advantage actually is, right? Until we're able to articulate that advantage better, my my thing would be let her compete because she wants to, right? Like it's just sports. It's just a game. You know what I mean? And she's not like she did great at the at the uh, Ivy League competition. I ain't saying that the Ivy League schools ain't the firest in athletics, but when she went to the NCAA Division One full competition, she won one race, right? So it's not like she's dominating, dominating. the entire sport, right? Like she's done very well. She's done better in her career now than she did previously. And if you if you want to die on the hill of that's unfair, then I respect that argument. But I think this is we're in a space where it's more important to let because this is a we talking about the NCAA. We talk we still talking about kids. So let like until we figure this out, until we're able to articulate this in a way that's that's fair, just let the let let the kids swim. Now there are rules, right? There are rules in the NCAA about transgender athletes and hormone therapy, right? Trying to align those those values of of testosterone uh, before they can compete, right? And the there's different windows for how long they have to be in in therapy. But as you illuminated earlier, though the threshold at which a woman's testosterone can be can vary greatly. So it's important not to just focus on testosterone. It's important not to focus on any single one identifier of what makes somebody a man or a woman as we evaluate this. And we just simply haven't done the work. And I think it's just unfair to exclude people in, in a way that's bogus and damaging when we just haven't done the work. If you like, I'm sorry, like if, if you if you and I feel if I'm my daughter and I'm saying this as somebody who doesn't have kids. But if my daughter was in swim class and there was a trans female that was in there with her, I would say, you better swim your ass off. Swim hard. <laughs> swim hard, because they didn't play it. <laughs> they didn't play it. That, that's, that, you only can control you. Like, it, don't, it shouldn't really matter who else is in the pool. You can only control you, right? Swim the best that you can swim. And clearly, some girls beat her. So, I mean... I, don't th- I agree with you. I don't know if number three on the podium would. I just yeah, for <laughs> yeah, the podium looks looks mad salty. And I'm just I just think it's funny and I'm not now I'm getting into points that I've seen like all over the internet and stuff is that a lot of people didn't care about women's sports until now, right? They but are forming an opinion like based on this these single unique examples and saying like, oh, this isn't fair. All the like fem. Why like it's just interesting to see people jump out and what they jump out for. Um, it's always going to show itself in sports a little bit because some at sports, we'd like to think of sports as the great equalizer of, of it, it doesn't matter how much money you have. A, a lot, especially in just like raw, raw athletical, uh, uh, athletical feats. It's like, it's not about your money. It always, it just comes down to me versus you. It's about what I got on me and what you got on you. And that's it, you know, and because we, we view sports like that, which is why we all get so drawn into it and, we all are, you know, getting passionate by it. That's that's part of the elements. It's the great equalizer. So uh, definitely, I could see how number three on the podium there could have that look, <laughs> you know, and and, yeah. and feel and feel unfair. But you're right. It's I, I I like how you brought it to. At the end of the day, let them swim. Like these are kids we're talking about. They're in their twenties. Let them swim. You know, let them swim. Yeah, let them swim. What the gender they want to identify as, and it's man, it's it's funny. Like. 
I, I poked fun at you a little bit when you brought the UFC into it, but it is it is different across sports, right? Now, if my daughter was about to get in a cage and fight somebody, I might I might feel a little bit differently about that. I might feel a little bit differently about how direct the advantages of increased muscle mass and explosive power, right, are are in that in that sense. But we can't just take a blanket statement just to be like. Yeah, this is something that we're not having from a place of ignorance. I always why why act from a place of ignorance when you can allow people to live, let them breathe while you gather information and figure something out. Like that's 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 how we should operate. To that I, I I I see that man. And again, I'll 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 just go back to the point that um, I saw what Casta uh, Semenya had to do in order for her to even prove that she was a woman. Some degrading stuff that they put this woman through, degrading tests. Fighting black woman fighting for her her right to run. She's fighting to do the thing that she loves. At the peak of her career, they put her into this type of turmoil. So, um, you know, it, it's it, it brings up again uh, who who is last in the race of who's last in the race of equality. Word, word. And speaking of black women, shout out to Naomi Osaka for bring it to the forefront, right? Like these pressures that athletes face, what it's like to have these cameras on you, what it's like to have all these expectations wrapped up in you, people projecting their stuff on you, right? And for just to make space for athletes to prioritize themselves and just to be people, right? We like, in order to be a professional athlete, a lot of these kids are starting. I think Leah started at five years old swimming, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you talking about kids. You talking about kids. Back to the thing with Serena and Venus. How long they've been under pressure. How long they've had white people saying sideways stuff out of at them to the out the side of their mouth, right? Like we're talking about kids. So let these kids play. Let it's more important that these kids feel validated and ha- that sports can be an outlet for them than it is that we project our adult issues on them and try to win political victories through these one-off examples. I could see how a father, like you said, father of number three, who's been training this girl her whole life, her whole life to sort of feel the same sort of unfairness that you mentioned with watching your daughter go into a UFC fight. There's 100%, and that's what I'm saying is that if there's open-mindedness is the only way we could we could really approach this and solve this, but because we're all dead set in our ways, it, it, it's, it, it's not going to spread fairly whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And just don't move. Just don't move hateful. Right. And don't advocate for hate. Don't advocate for exclusion. I'm always on the side of listening to the people who are who go through that because sports is one part of life. And you want to talk about they have advantages in, in sports. What about the disadvantages that people feel that are transgender? Right. Like what about what about all the social disadvantages that they have and how much deeper that is? Really, truly, than this this stuff in sports. Let them play, yo. That's you and like with perspective and time as we get older, you realize, man, that some of some of, for instance, the gay kids that I grew up with, or people, uh, yeah, a lot of the gay kids, bro. You don't realize these guys are fighting to be themselves from a young age. They've had to fight to be themselves at every turn, being rejected by family, by the church, by their fathers, fighting to be themselves for for such a long time you know so um i like i like your message with it yeah and free britney grinder too man free britney grinder free miles xavier the the most popular part of this show over here is our next section recommended and review 
It ain't a lot of feelings better than when you find something and you like it and you like, oh, my homie going to love this. And you get to share something that you know is going to brighten somebody else's day, brighten their life up a little bit, whether it's a meme, whether it's music, whether it's a show. So you put me up on this, and there's so much TV to watch, man. There's so much, so much TV to watch. But you put me up on the bus down, directed by Sam J. How'd you find this? Uh, it's funny you say there's so much TV to watch. I have not been watching nothing at all, um, and a lot of my favorite shows just came, just just came back. Atlanta, uh, Snowfall, and I ain't even, I ain't even had time to dive into them yet. But I wanted something, you know, I was looking for something just to just to check out in anticipation of those shows. And man, stumbled across this. Uh, didn't really know what to expect. You know, the 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 name Bust Down can mean a lot of things in the black community. I don't know if y'all are aware out there, but Bust Down can mean a lot of different things. But it is something that is uh I don't know about quintessentially black, but it's something that I've recognized, right? And there's a lot of that in the show. There's a lot to recognize from black culture. Uh, and that's one of my favorite things about it. So I gave it, I was like, let me see what episode one hitting for. Played episode one, played episode two. And by the end, by the end of episode two, I was like, they swinging for the fences with these jokes. And they're not all hidden, but I love the creativity that's put into this. It's because you also have four of some of the, the top young rising comedians on behind the show. Obviously, you got Sam J and Sam J is, you know, Sam J from her special. Her two Sam J specials on Netflix are pretty are super, super dope. Always been hilarious. She did that podcast slash show um, that she put together, which was so super dope and was done very artistically, um, very reminiscent to something you'd expect from like a Gerard Carmichael. You know, who are these great writers, these great um, comedians and writers and directors. So when seeing Sam J's, na Sam J's name attached to the show, you know, okay, there's some quality. That's definitely there's some quality that's coming in because that's what she deals with. So then to bring Chris Reeves, Jack Knight, uh, I think it's LaShawn Kerman, which are in their own right also up and coming comedians too, involved in some fly shit. And then... Um, Producing this is, is quite fitting. Like you say, they swing for the fences with the jokes, but when they hit, oh my goodness, it's hilarious. Yeah, big facts, big facts. And it's it's a great, it's very much um, a good compliment to a show like Atlanta, right? Steering a little bit way, a little bit further from the series, a little bit more to like the bizarre. Um, it's a good compliment to like a Dave, right? So like a lot of the stuff that we enjoy, uh, I see in this show and and this. The important thing about this show to me is when you start to have more than one or two, when you have a wealth of shows about and by black people, stressing by behind the camera too as well, you start to see characters that that are familiar to you in your life, but you've never gotten to see on screen before, right? Mm -hmm. So even the way that Sam takes up space on the show, the way that Jack takes up space on the show, right? Being like silly and bizarre, We've seen a more toned down version of that from Lakeith Stanfield in Atlanta, but to really just see people get to be themselves, to to 
to showcase these characters and all these different ways of being black and funny, like really like hilarious, I think is one of the ways that the show really shines. Yeah, and you brought up Atlanta and the Keith Stanfield's um, character in that, but also similar slightly to Agata comparatively off of Dave, which is interesting that we keep bringing those three shows up together. We keep bringing up Dave, Atlanta, uh, Dave and Atlanta, we always bring those up next to each other because the question is, which one... Dave came out swinging, and the question was, which one of those two is actually better? So when we were saying, let's call... Can we call it black black dude humor? Is that fair to say? That's an interesting, that's an interesting category to include Dave in, because I think Dave is... Dave... I don't know if Dave fits in, into, that, into that category. Um, so... I would say it's it's definitely hip hop, right? Like there's there's from the music to the the way that folks dress to the stuff that they engage in. There's definitely a hip hop flavor in all of those shows. Um, there's definitely a uh, there's a intentionality to the way that they interrogate what it means to be black in different spaces. But Dave spends a lot more time with its white uh, main character. Mm. You know, definitely, Dave definitely. So, show and handles black people well in the show, but I don't know if you you can I don't know if you could call it a black show. You know, because Donald Glover came out swinging specifically at Dave because the comparisons were so loud. He was saying, "You guys are comparing me to Dave for real." That he came out tweeting that right. So did he? he did. He did. He did. He was like, "Yo, how?" And I'll find. And I'll find the tweet. You know what I'm saying? I'm on my Jamie finger search tip but like that's what he's that's what he said Donald Glover's childish was like nah how, how dare you guys compare us I, I, I feel him I don't I don't know if it's a how dare you I think it's a well actually but I like I think Dave's a really really good show again yeah I'm repeating myself but Dave's a really good show that handles all of its characters really well including its characters of color and it might be such a good show and have and that some people are like it's it and it and just by doing that so well that it's comparable to Atlanta because it's an instance of it but Atlanta's doing that with its entire show Atlanta's Atlanta every element of Atlanta is in embracing black people whereas Dave does it well when it decides to once let's when you, when you finish watching the new Atlanta episodes, let me know because an interesting critique that I walked away with of the the first two episodes, and I can say it because I don't think you know it really doesn't give away much. Atlanta takes itself too seriously. That might be true. That might be true. It takes itself too seriously. That might be true. But I think Childish is flexing a whole different type of creative strong suit that he holds. That's that's slightly away from what the initial pull and draw to Atlanta was, which was relatability. And so maybe it is relatable to a very specific niche group of people, but it's in that instance, it will lose a lot of its wider appeal. And I think that's what the show is getting into right now. Yeah. I mean, things grow and evolve into different things. I think it's, I think it's interesting to compare things because like better isn't the only category, right? It's like, is Atlanta better than Dave? But which one you know, aged better, which one is a better story, right? Like there's a different, there's different ways that you can judge things. And it's like, what is it? What is it? Yeah. What is it trying to do? And is it accomplishing that? I look at the first two seasons of Atlanta as some of my favorite content. And 
but I don't ever expect things to be able to maintain something so special, right? Like even the Boondocks, one of my favorite shows in the world, starts to starts to taper off a little bit in certain areas, you know, um, once some of the, those key concepts and ideas are already explored. So, but, you, but you're not messing with those first two seasons, right? And so I just think things grow and change in different ways. And just to circle back onto this, um, onto this show right here, the bus down. I think the cool thing about what they've done is um, they've they've given given themselves a lot of room in terms of where they can take their characters. You see Jack Knight's character being uh, gravitating more towards the cartoon cartoonish side of black humor, which is not something that you always see delivered in a real life situation. You know, maybe you see it on like uh, Black Jesus or something to that effect, you know, but to, it's like uh, how you would think the boondocks, the boondocks's um, anime side would be adopted into a black real life setting. And I think that they do that transition well, but I can also see how that could lose a lot of people because it's just too weird, you know, and I think a more comparable type of uh, comedy setting and humor it is, is it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There's some seasons of It's Always Sunny that are so brilliant. The writing is so strong, and, and the social commentary is very poignant. You know, they don't they don't miss. <laughs> There's an episode where <laughs> where uh, uh, they it's the a nigga episode. <laughs> He's walking around trying to figure out. It's really really like it's very well written. You know, it's super well written. Um, and I see that that's where I see the comparison between these two. But that being said, uh, it would be cool to see where they take these next few seasons the characters are over the top but like that's the same as always sunny yeah definitely definitely a, a budding show with a lot of like promise and it could it could really i'm looking forward to season two i love space for black people to be weird um and still get to be black i love some of the ways that they've addressed different issues in the show from church to working in uh in, in the office and and trying to trying to come up um, I love some of the, the special guests. I love that one of my favorite rappers, Freddie Gibbs, is in the show uh, as like their boss, their manager. Uh, it's there's just there's just a lot of, of fun going on here. So uh, if we rate shows, if we give them reels, I would give this one uh, this first season of Bust Down four reels out of five reels. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes next. And got to I'm hooked. Got to got to they bodied it. Um... They really, really killed it. I'm so glad that you, we see some of our favorite comedians working together to put together stuff like this and that uh, TV shows striving to be honest about the Black experience aren't getting lost. You know, you've seen the, the Carmichael show went off, but that was, like, very tailored towards NBC to a certain extent. Like, the, the content was strong behind it, too, but it was still for primetime TV, and it lost a little bit of the excitement that, uh, say the Chappelle show first brought where it felt underground. It felt uh, real. It didn't feel like it was for big time, but could fit in that space. So it's dope to see them do this four out of five for show. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in a happy place with, uh, with black TV right now. Um, and I'm, but there's always room for more shows, right? Like I remember growing up and there was Martin fresh Prince, right? There was a different world. There was uh, the Proud Family, even right on the cartoon tip. There was so much, there was such a wealth of options, and I remember feeling like 
you know, for the past maybe five, six years ago, I was like, well, there ain't really that many black shows that like, you know what I mean? That I'm really, that are really hitting. So for us to be able to have named so many over the course of, of this space, um, maybe not different, maybe not as mainstream as before, but definitely some gems out there that I'm appreciating. So um, happy to add bust down to that list. For sure, for sure. Cause it's cause we know, I believe. I believe it's cause we know. Oh, we done yeah. served up a whole plate of content. We done brought these people information. We done brought these people content, curated content for the cranium. And we know. Oh yeah, we know. We value y'all and y'all's time. And we know that with y'all time, y'all could be doing a lot of things. You could be anywhere in the world right now. Anywhere. Right? You are anywhere and everywhere in the world <laughs> right now. You could be doing anything. But if you are hearing the soulful sounds of hazelnut tones, that's me, young Hayes, and chestnut tones, you know what I'm saying? Big chess over there. Do you are? Well, I didn't agree. I don't agree to that nickname. <laughs> you can't just be giving me nicknames at the end of the show. Big chest. What? Big chest. That's big chest over there. And big chest would like to say, you know what I'm saying? But this is a celebration of celebrating. This is a celebration of love. This is a celebration of how good it feels to have a big chest. Don't feel good, Zoe. I do love it. <laughs> Shout out to the that's why that's why him popping collar at the precise moment. These are the gems, people. This is why we do it. Now, I advise you, I encourage you, I, I, I hope that you have an opportunity to eat something delicious, to hug somebody you love. Like that. Peace, water, we go. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live?